Welcome, listeners, to your Lillian Madwip finale. We discover more about the angels, the many brothers that exist, the demise of Felix, and so much more. I'm cutting through the chase for this episode, so pour yourself some tea, turn the lights off, the sound up, and get ready for a unique Friday tale. My name is Lily Madwip, and I can't save everybody. I'm tired. Tired of all this. I want to go home and not look back and curl up in bed. Maybe pedal over to the cemetery and see Roger and ask him if he wants to trade places for a bit. Maybe he'd like to get up, stretch his legs, and play with three crazy angels for a while. I think Felix would have a hard time dealing with Roger. Not because he's dead, but because... He always liked to argue. Pascal's talking to me. You cannot continue to carry three totems. Even just having two was a risk. Just stop. I've had Pascal for years, and he's always told me stuff. Ever since Meredith showed up, though, he's been telling me stuff I feel like I should have been told sooner. There are others with angels, for one. And some of them are crazy. And if we get close to each other, bad things can happen. Like one of us can wipe out an entire pet store. That seems like a pretty big, important thing to let someone know. You need to know this. I sit on Jamal's bike and watch a tree burn. I accidentally set it on fire when I got angry earlier, and just happened to be passed by an ambulance that apparently had Felix in it. There's people running around, yelling, and some lady in a white shirt and grandma pants keeps running out of her house with a pitcher and throwing water on it. Grandma pants are what I call pants that billow out like a genie's pants and are covered with flowery designs. They're what my nana always wore. Fine. What is it? There is an angel named Samael, also called... The seducer, and the one who accuses. He is drawn to power and answers to none but himself. Normally Pascal drones on almost like a computer. Now he sounds afraid. Even when Roger was dangling him out of a car window, he never showed fear. I guess Sammy terrifies him. And what? He's going to kill me because I have three totems? Worse. There isn't a lot I can imagine that's worse than dying. Torture? They must be talking about torture. I know torture. I've been in two car wrecks recently. I saw a woman burn to death and curl up into a little ball like a pill bug. I had to sit in Mr. Longbow's office right next to Lisa Welch. I'd still rather do those things all over again than die. Just focus, Lily. Get the doll back to Meredith. But why? I ask. If you said she had to die, and not having Nathaniel will get her killed, then isn't this what you want? The totem must be under the control of its earthly connection at the end of their life, in order for it to be passed on. Oh great, that's Dumas speaking. He sounds like someone is constantly pinching his nose shut, and he wears a monocle and smokes a cigarette on the end of a long stick, which he flicks the ashes onto people as they go by. 
What? I don't... What? I hate it when Dumas speaks because he doesn't care if I understand what he's saying. It's very complicated. Pascar says. I'll explain. Just get back to the hotel. Now. Somebody shoves me from behind. Hard. I almost fall over the handlebars of the bike. But when I look back, there's nobody there. Did one of you just shove me? I don't wait for an answer. I get the message. I hop back up on the bike seat and start pedaling in the direction of the highway that the hotel is near. I wonder what my mum is doing right now. Maybe she stopped to get a coffee on her way home and doesn't know I'm gone yet. She'll flip out when she finds me missing. I wouldn't blame her either. I hope she understands I'm doing this, all this, to save my dad. If I can fix the tangled mess of strings the angels made. The hotel isn't far, thankfully. I'd only just left it a few minutes ago. Bolted is probably a better word. Okay, I ran like hell. Up ahead, I can see the ambulance parked in the lot and bunches of people standing around, rubbernecking. Lily. Pascal says. Imagine a tracking device, like in a spy movie. Which spy movie? I like spy movies. I saw one once where a guy was wearing a mask that made him look like another guy. He couldn't talk though because he still sounded like himself. It doesn't matter which one. Some spy movies don't have tracking devices. I grumble. I think of the one with the guy in the mask. It had a tracking device. They hid it in a computer disc, and when a bad lady used the disc, they were able to locate her. Each totem gives off a signal, like a tracking device. The more totems there are in close proximity, the more powerful the signal. Samuel is drawn to that signal. Do you understand? Somewhat. I don't know what a proximity is, but I think I got the idea. So why does Samuel want totems? The crowd up ahead is moving out of the way, and I see... Meredith! She's being carried out of her family hotel room by a person wearing an EMT uniform. He's got a surgical mask over his mouth, but I recognize those weasel features even from across the parking lot. Also, I can totally see his stupid weasel aura. It's brown, like a weasel. Someone in the crowd covers their mouth and whispers, Oh my god, someone burned that poor child. Little do they know, they're watching the culprit put her in an ambulance. Meredith! I yell, hopping down off the bike and letting it clatter to the ground. Meredith doesn't look up. She seems limp and unconscious. Felix looks up though, and squints his weasel eyes at me. I squint back. At the same time, I can feel the air around me start to heat up. I clench my fists. I think for a second that my shoes are on fire. For some reason, when black smoke starts appearing from under my feet, I forgot that happens. Felix sees this and does a double take, looking at me, then Meredith, then back at me. He almost drops her, but stops himself and adjusts his footing, then lays her down in the back of the ambulance. Lillian, he calls to me as I march toward him. Did I pass you on the way here? I thought that was you. That means you did this to Meredith. Goodness, how violent you've become. The crowd turns to look at little old me. I don't care. 
I'm staring at Felix. Death daggers. That's what I'm doing. Shooting death daggers with my eyes. The tarmac of the parking lot starts to blister. A nearby telephone pole starts hissing and then splits up the middle and a pillar of flame runs up both halves. Everybody starts yelling and pointing, not realizing that the source of it all is the little girl with the angry death dagger eyes and the weasel-faced man in the EMT uniform. I guess it's mostly me. Felix watches all this and I can see his eyes get big, but he grins beneath his surgical mask. Is that you doing that, Lillian? It is! Oh, you have Meredith's toy? That means I could have this power, doesn't it? If I take it from you? Amazing! He brushes off his hands even though I don't think they were dirty. Lillian, you know you want this all to be over. You want to be rid of those annoying angels. Just give them to me and I'll take care of them. I don't think so, Mr. Felix, Mr. Weaselman. I'm gonna deal with you and then... He suddenly turns to a man standing near him. Excuse me, Mr. Jensen? Mr. Lawrence Jensen? The man is big. Real big. He towers over Felix. He's got a big, bushy brown beard. And a leather jacket with a skull on it that looks like it's made of metal. I want to guess that he's a motorcyclist. Maybe rides with a big bunch of other big bearded men and hangs out in seedy bars by the side of a barren highway. But it would be wrong to judge people based on how they're dressed. He turned at the name Jensen and looks confused. Do I know you? Felix doesn't acknowledge the question. That little girl there with the brown hair and the death dagger stare stole a couple of dolls. From this one I'm helping. I stutter. What? No I didn't. Oh wait, I sort of half did. Mr. Jensen, the maybe a motorcyclist, turns and looks at me, and his beard bent down in a scowl. He looks like Santa Claus's angry brother, Anti-Claus. Hey you, he says at me. Come here, you're gonna give that girl her dolls back. Felix winks at me. She also stole your wallet. I go from angry to scared. Anti-Claus balls up his fists. He wouldn't hit a little girl, would he? I'm only nine years old. On the other hand, I don't think he's in his right mind. Felix and his stupid magic tricks. He's lying to you, mister! I yell. Most of the rest of the crowd have run off to call the fire department or try to put out the burning telephone pole. But a couple of people just stand there on either side of me watching this giant bear of a man start coming toward me threateningly. Help! I yell to them. You don't want to help her. Felix addresses the two people. She's a little thief. They shrug and turn away. I hate his stupid mind games. I step back. The big man continues towards me. Mr. Jensen. I tell him. I'm sorry, but you're about to break your ankle. I don't even have to snap my fingers or nothing. He just takes his next step, and his leg goes wonky. We can all hear the snap, and his foot turns in the wrong direction. Like, the really wrong direction. And for such a big, tough-looking man, he screeches like my nana when she thinks there's a mouse on the floor. Down he goes 
tumbling over, gut first, then rolling onto his back with his leg up and his foot hanging crooked off it. Oh god, I did that. I am so sorry. The two people who turned away looked back at Mr. Jensen, then at Felix, who should of course be helping him. What with him being an EMT and all. Felix hoots and claps his hands. Fantastic! Oh my, you are really getting the hang of things, aren't you, my dear? Now I can go back to being mad. Felix is laughing at the poor man's pain. He's got Meredith. He's taunting me. I can feel it all boiling over like when I left the kettle on the stove to heat some water and forgot to listen for the whistle. And all the water boiled off and then the bottom of the kettle melted into a lump of slag. My dad got so pissed when that happened. I wasn't allowed to heat water by myself anymore after that. I just wanted to make a cup of hot cocoa. I could actually use a cup of hot cocoa right now. Lily, hurry! Pascar says. The black smoke circling about my ankles churn like one of those tide pools you see at the ocean. It swells up, tumbles over itself, and slowly forms into my shadow. I turn and look at Dumas. He nods at me. Felix's jaw drops. What is that? Is that another gift? Oh my, that's, that's one of them. Duma, of course, from the police officer back at the house. How did you... I see. Will you shut up? I yell at him. As if in response, he immediately goes quiet. His mouth keeps moving, but nothing comes out of it. At first, I think I lost my sense of hearing. Except, of course... I can hear a fire truck siren in the distance and people shouting still, and Anti-Claws lying on the ground howling about his ankle and how he's going to get me. So it's not me. Felix has lost his ability to talk. <laughs> Perfect! Felix Clay, you have the right to remain silent, I tell him. Dumas steps forward and cracks his knuckles. Except he's made of smoke, so it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't even make a sound. Maybe he wasn't cracking his knuckles. Maybe he was just balling up his hands together for some reason. I don't know. I say he cracks his knuckles. For the first time since I've met him, Felix looks scared. He's clutching his throat, as if he can squeeze the words out of himself like a tube of toothpaste. Roger once stuck a tube of toothpaste under my bedroom door and stomped on the other end, so it squirted all into my room. He said it made my whole room smell minty. It was true, but he still got in trouble for it because he wasted toothpaste, and Dad had to scrub the toothpaste out of the carpeting. My room smelled like toothpaste for months. In a panic, Felix reaches into his pockets. I think for a moment that he secretly had a knife or a gun on him this whole time, in case of emergencies. Wouldn't that just be like him? The weasel. I'm winning and he's going to shoot me. I don't think so. He pulls something out and throws it at me. It's small, and I don't really see what it is. But I cover my face and just happen to catch it in my hand. It's his locket with the photo of his son in it. I look back up and... Felix has vanished. Duma is standing there alone, in his shadow form, looking back at what I'm holding. 
Pascar is shouting something, but it sounds like he's shouting from out the door, down the hall, in the bathroom. Like my dad does when he showers and someone flushes the toilet downstairs. I don't know what he's saying. Nathaniel is yelling too. Why do they all have to yell? I need to focus. Duma and I were just about to tear Felix apart. Someone puts their hands on my shoulders from behind. Did Felix get behind me somehow? I feel my fists burning. And I turn, ready to punch him with them. But it's not Felix. It's a man dressed all in white. He's got a fancy jacket and tie and pants and even his shoes are white. His teeth are really white and he's smiling down at me. His hair is all neat and combed like Roger was at his funeral. Nobody can really recognize him. Even this man's hair is white. Although he doesn't look old or anything. Who are you? I ask, holding my red hot hands up to show I'm in business. I wonder if I would leave black scorch marks on his fancy suit. I'm Raziel. He says, his voice is really soft and gentle. Almost like a whisper, except not. Like when you tell someone to whisper but they don't know how, so they just talk like they're trying to coax a cat out of a tree. I look down at the locket in my hands. Razael was Felix's angel. This locket is Razael's totem. Why would Felix give me his one means of defending himself? Maybe without it, I can't track him. Maybe he realized that he had no hope of fighting me with three angels helping. So he ditched his and ran scurrying like a weasel into some cave to hide. After all, the totems are like tracking devices, Pascal said. Speaking of Pascal, he's gone quiet. They all have. I look up and we're not even standing in the parking lot of the Red Moon Hotel. We're standing in some sort of white room. How did I get here? Am I imagining this? Is this one of my visions? It doesn't feel like it. It feels real. But Pascal and Nathaniel are silent and my shadow Dumar is missing. Or maybe he's there, it's just that everything is so bright white, I can't really see him. I don't know. You have a lot of questions, I know. Razael says. I don't. I say. I just need to get back to where I was, and stop your owner from getting away. We can talk later. I got priorities. You don't need to worry about him. He's not going anywhere. Nobody is. Time isn't flowing as it normally does while we talk. So if I go back to the hotel right now, everybody will be frozen in time? No. We're outside of time. So if I go back... He holds his hand up to my face. You can't go back. Not right now. Once you do. Things will be just like you left them. Unless you don't want them to be. What do you mean? I can change things. He smiles at me. He must brush his teeth like all the time. All the time. He's really got nice teeth is what I'm saying. I don't normally notice people's teeth, but his are intensely white. Or if you want to change things, 
We can change things. Is that what you want, Lily? Kinda. Of course, I would change things. Let's see. First, I would go back and not get in the car with Felix, so I didn't make him crash and put my father in a medically induced coma. I also wouldn't cause Officer Flowers' death by being at Meredith's house. I think. Maybe she'd still be alive. Maybe she'd still die. Or maybe Meredith and Felix would be off together, killing normal people. Okay, so maybe I still needed to get in the car, unless I could call my dad and warn him not to let Felix into the house, or just not meet Meredith at all. Dang, so many options. Lily, hello. Razael calls my name in a sing-song fashion. Earth to Lily. Sorry, I was thinking. I know, but I also know what you really want to change. I cock my head. What's that? He claps his hands once. It's really loud and seems to echo, even though this white room is so white that I can't tell where it begins or ends. It sounds like he clapped in an auditorium. My name is Lily Madrip, and I see things before they happen. Don't stare at me, assface. That's my brother Roger. He doesn't see things before they happen. I know this because. Wait a second. No. This isn't right. Roger is dead. I'm staring at him. It's true, but I wasn't just a moment ago. I was with someone else, a man in white with white hair and white shoes and a white room. What was his name? Rai Sin, or something? Roger's not dead. I'm back in the car with him and Mum and Dad. Rai Sin, no. Razael, Razael said I could change things. This is what I needed to change. I need to stop Roger from dying. I need to stop my dad from getting us T-boned by a truck. But how do I do that? Do I simply not do anything? Because warning Roger kind of is what got him killed, isn't it? I killed him, me, but I can change that now. Rest area coming up, Dad says. Does anybody need to go? I do, but should I tell him? Roger will tell him I need to anyway. I need to pee. Me too, Roger declares. I guess he really did need to go. Just don't tell him he's going to die, that's all. Speaking of that, I haven't heard anything from Pascal. I look down at him, buckled up with me, but he's silent. Then I realize that I've got a melted Barbie sitting beside me. Nathaniel? How did you get here? He says nothing. I'm also clenching something in my hand. It's Felix's locket. Roger sees me looking at it. What's that? Your Happy Meal toy? He asks. We're pulling off the highway. There's two lanes on the off-ramp. One for the big trucks and one for little cars. Our station wagon takes the second lane and wraps back around to go up a hill to the parking lot for the rest area. There's some sort of big rock on a pedestal with a commemorative plaque at the base with lots of names of people who are dead. Other families are going in and out of the glass-wrapped building. Razael, I whisper to the locket. What did you call me, twerp? Roger frowns. Don't trust him. I hear a voice. What? Don't trust who? I whisper. Roger? 
Roger looks over at me. I keep my head down to avoid staring. Everybody out! Dad declares. Lily, hurry! Mum looks back at me and smiles. Her teeth are incredibly white. I don't remember her having such a flashy smile. She unbuckles her seatbelt and opens her door. We all get out. Mum holds my hand as we cross the parking lot, even though I'm not a baby. Is this really happening? Can I really save Roger from dying simply by not telling him about it? I realize that, despite knowing he's going to die, I didn't actually have a sense of it this time. Have I changed things simply by going back? Have I gone back? Was all the stuff I experienced the past three months just the longest vision I've ever had? Is that possible? But then, what about Nathaniel and Razael's totems still being with me? I look down and see Dumas ghost badge pinned it to my chest. So there's that. I can fix everything. The quiet voice comes again just as I get inside the swinging glass doors. You're being lied to. I don't know what it means. Roger must not be saved. Why is that? I just don't tell him he's going to die, and it won't lead to him doing something that gets my dad's attention and distracts him during a crucial moment. Easy peasy. Who is that talking? It can't be Pascal or Nathaniel. I left them out in the car. It's certainly not Duma, because it doesn't sound the least bit snobby, and I don't even know where Duma is. I look at the locker again. There's a clasp on the side that opens it, so I do. There's Joey, Felix's son. He looked happy the one time Felix showed the locket to me, but he has since changed. His expression is like the photographer was covered in spiders or something. Joey looks terrified. I sit down in a different store from the last time I went through this. I hope that doesn't matter to the timeline. Minutes later, we're all pulling back into the car. I buckle in and look at Pascal. Why aren't you talking to me? He doesn't respond. Something's not right. None of this feels right. But I can save Roger. I can fix things. I can make my dad smile again. Made him stop writing dirges. We'll be a whole family again. I want that so much. You must follow things as they were. Suddenly, Pascara is snatched from my arms. I'm not surprised, I'm just sad. I turn to see Roger dangling Pascara out of the open car window. Hey, airspace, wanna see if your dolly can fly? I sigh. I'm sorry, Roger. You're going to die, I tell him, and wipe away a tear. I don't scream when he glares at me and then drops Pascara out the window. I don't really care about losing the doll because... I know he'll find his way back to me. It's being forced to relive this moment that hurts the most. Now I understand what Pascal meant when he said there were things worse than death. I am back at the white room. The man in white stares at me. I wipe my eyes and clutch Pascal tightly to my chest. I can't look him in the eyes. Why didn't you say Roger? He asks, all you had to do was be quiet. I sniff. My nose feels runny. I always get that way when I cry. It's like my eyes and my nose are connected. 
I wonder if you have tear ducts in your nose. Maybe some people only cry through their noses. Maybe a runny nose is just someone crying who can't express themselves right. You're not Razael, I say, looking at the ground. It's white too. Everything's so white it hurts my eyes. Huh. He says calmly. You are a smart little girl. No, I'm not Razael. You know who I am. The man in white puts his hands on his hips and starts walking in a circle around me. I cringe every time he goes behind me because I'm sure he's going to stab me in the back or maybe even just touch me. I don't want to feel him touch me. There, there I, I was, minding, minding my, my own, own business, business and, and it's, it's a hell of a of business. business. Let, Let me, me tell you. Just doing my thing and what should happen? But someone really screws the pooch. You know what I'm talking about? Dogs having sex? No. no! He clenches his fists and grits his teeth. He looks the opposite of nice. His mouth is full of sharp-looking fangs now. His eyes look red. His clothes look like they're covered in ashes. I'm, I'm talking, talking about, about my stupid, foolish brothers. brothers. We, we all have stupid brothers, brothers. don't we, Lily? I don't think Meredith has a brother. I don't say this though because he seems really angry. Well, mine, for some god-forsaken reason, gave a little pyromaniac a box of matches. And then they gave gasoline to another one. And they said, go play. Do you understand how stupid my brothers are? I knew a kid once who burned down a tent with himself inside it just to kill a spider. <laughs> yes, exactly. He laughs and reaches towards me, but I pull away. They're trying to burn one little spider and willing to risk themselves and the whole tent just to do it. <laughs> yes, I see now why they chose you. My ribs start to hurt. I haven't taken any medication for them in a couple of hours. I need to go, I told the man in white. He turned and looked me up and down. You can't go without paying the toll. What's the toll? It's a cost you pay to travel in certain areas. No, I know what a toll is, but what do you expect me to pay? I already know the answer. I know what he wants. I just want to hear him say it. He grins at me with his sharp teeth. I bet Felix would pee his pants if he saw this man's teeth. No, not a man. He's Sammy, the rogue angel. I want one of your four little trinkets. You can either choose or let me choose for you. I don't care. But you're already an angel. Why do you want one of these? Samael throws his head back and laughs. It kind of looks like he's trying to swallow the entire room. I bet he could do it too. He finally stops laughing and looks back down at me. 
<laughs> I'm not going to use it for myself. What could I possibly do with it that I can't already? No. I'm going to give it to someone else. That's all my brothers would do, too. When it's time, they pass their little toys on to another human being they consider worthy. And it begins anew. He moves in close and fast, startling me. And I almost drop everything in my arms. He's right in my face. I can see deep into his eyes. You can't really see in people's eyes, but I can see in his. And I can't even begin to describe it. I want to give one to someone I think is worthy. I can't give him Nathaniel or Duma. They're too dangerous. I won't give him Pascar. I need to protect myself. There's only one reasonable option. So I hold out Felix's locket, cautiously like I'm afraid he's going to bite my entire hand off with his shark mouth and leave me with just a bloody stump. Samaya looks at it with curiosity, then reaches out with fingers that now look long and pointy, like needles. He plucks the locket out of my hand. This, this one, one again. again, he says. Ah, uh, brother Razael, how, how tired of our little game you must be getting. He smiles one more evil, shark-toothed smile at me. I'll, I'll see, see you again, again little, little one. Suddenly, I'm standing in the parking lot of the Red Moon Hotel again. There's a large man lying on the ground screaming and clutching his leg. A fire truck is pulling up and firefighters piling out and setting up a hose for a telephone pole that's burning to the ground. A otherwise empty ambulance is parked in front of Meredith's motel room and some people are hurrying over to see what's going on. Felix is nowhere to be seen. Again. I walk over to the ambulance. Meredith is lying on the floor inside. I can see she's breathing, but she seems to be asleep. I hope she's not in a coma like my father. I take Nathaniel and put him in her arms. She instinctively hugs him and mumbles something about puppies. Yeah, puppies. A woman in a maid outfit comes over. I guess she was cleaning the rooms or going to a costume party. She looks in the ambulance at Meredith, then looks around for the EMT. She's not going to find them. Are you okay, sweetie? She asks me. What's your name? My name is Lily Madwhip. Well, listeners, this concludes the Lillian Madwhip series, at least this part. Lillian Madwhip herself is writing more, and I'll be reaching out to her on your behalf to see if there are any more tales heading our way from the Lillian Madwhip series in particular. Next week though, I'm going to jump back into some research pieces, and specifically demon lore. So stick with me then, mates. If you know anyone who would enjoy the podcast, share it around with a hyperlink, or let them know they can find me by searching Stories Fables Podcast in Google. Bam. I'll be there, mates. That way, they don't go hunting around on multitudes of apps to try and find the podcast. Also, if you want to reach out to me, say hi. Feel free to contact me for any reason at storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com. Have a fantastic 
weekend, you brilliant listeners. And I'll see you next week for something different. And as always, till next time.